Welcome back to the JC Podcast and thank you so much for tuning in for the first episode in our new series, A Conversation With. Myself and the rest of the team are very excited to bring you some new content as well as collaborate with some guests about some intriguing topics. Today I have the privilege of talking to Rugby 7 star Henry Hutchinson, who for the past couple of years has played for the Australian 7s team. He's competed at the Summer Olympics in 2016, as well as capping off an incredible 2015-16 season by winning Rookie of the Year. We're going to be talking about his career so far, as well as dive into some other topics. Henry, thank you so much for being on the podcast. How's things going? Hey, mate. Like, super happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Um, look, just kind of adjusting to, to COVID lifestyle over here in Sydney. So, um, you know, nothing too ex- extreme is happening right now, but just trying to stay fit and healthy. Well, with the current global climate, obviously Sevens as a global sport has been affected uh, by COVID-19, as most sports have. Uh, what have things been like this year? Has the uh, World Series been completely postponed or has it been paused for this year? Yeah, it's been, it's been pretty disastrous for the, for the Sevens comp, I guess. We, we require so much on our global travel and that's yeah. not... Uh, happening right now especially <laughs> out of Australia so yeah it's been postponed for now or cancelled Olympics have been postponed but um yeah World Rugby are pretty positive with um getting it back up and running um as early as March next year so we're doing our best to retain um the players we have in our team right now stay fit and healthy and when the borders reopen and normality comes back to life um we'll be ready to go can you give us a bit of perspective into what training has been like uh during this year obviously with COVID and when that all went down, uh, rugby completely stopped. Uh, what have you guys been doing? Have you been doing Zoom calls? Have you been, you know, trying to get some gym work in? Yeah, it's been a really interesting balance. Like one of the things that uh, is key to performance and drive and training well is having something to then take all our training out onto the paddock and perform, like actually perform in front of crowds and yeah. go to the Olympics. Blah, blah. And without having that carrot kind of dangled in front of athletes, it can sometimes be hard to keep that intensity up in our training. Um, yeah. So we've had to be really careful about um, managing our bodies and staying fit and strong, but also managing our, I guess, our mental side of it, our, our headspace and staying, still staying um, committed to the cause, um, still staying invested in the team, but also simultaneously understanding um, that everyone has dealt this situation a little bit differently. Um, losing Tokyo, not being able to play football and travel and whatever. Um, just getting that balance, that balance right has been key. And I think we've done that reasonably well. Fair enough. And um, speaking about uh, Tokyo next year, obviously the Olympics were postponed. Um, what, what, what is the journey over the next six months looking like and getting that team ready and prepared uh, for another Olympic campaign? So basically the last six months we've just survived. Um, you know, <laughs> we've just tread water, we've kept going, done our best to keep the team as it is. Yeah. And basically we're, we're going to hit November the 16th, the ground running, new pre-season. And oh, basically okay. have the same mindset as, you know, 2021, is now the new 2020. Like, so the yeah. Tokyo's on the same dates and we're just going to behave and carry ourselves as if it was 2020 all over yeah. again. And I think with the first competition, hopefully in March in Hong Kong. 
Oh, awesome. That'll be fantastic. Obviously, the, the Hong Kong Sevens is such a staple of the World Series hey. calendar. So it'd be hit the ground running uh, with the Hong Kong Sevens, which would be great. Um, was there a little bit of um, disappointment? Um, obviously, you played uh, at Rio in 2016. Was there a little bit of disappointment? Uh, because I know as an athlete, you probably look forward to these, you know, huge competitions such as the Sevens. Was it a little bit hard? Um, you know, knowing that you, you weren't able to achieve that goal of going to another Olympics this year and having to wait uh, another year of your career? Of course. Um, rugby's got a shelf life, yeah? So, you know, we can yeah. only play this game for so long and we can only do what we love for so long until your body's either give in or some other young buck comes and kicks <laughs> you out. So yeah. it does postpone a year in your career and so much of my energy and drive was put into the sevens program for the last year and a half to perform at that Olympics, you know, going yeah. to the Rio Olympics in 2016 as a 19 year old was like amazing. And I was in awe and I was, I, I, I still can't even really fathom or understand that I've, I've been and I've done that because I feel like it was just such a blur for me. Um, yeah. I was mere a spectator and rather a participator. Um, <laughs> I know I played, but it still feels like I didn't do it well. Um, so when the Tokyo came round, I was off another um, a spot back in the program to, you know, go to Tokyo, become a dual Olympian and do it again better. Um, yeah. You know, that was massive for me. And to have that to be taken away, yeah, I think, you know, it, was, it, it impacted me um, in different ways. But there's one thing that a professional footballer or professional sport lifestyle teaches you and it's, it's your need to be resilient. So if you're not resilient and if you're not robust and if you can't deal with negative news and negative feedback and things are going your way, you're never going to, you're never going to succeed and um, you're never going to keep moving forward in your career and your career post, post uh, footy life as well. And to be part of that first Olympic campaign for rugby sevens as well, obviously 2016 is the first time, Rugby Sevens has been played at the Olympic. Do you think, oh, sorry, the Olympics. Do you think um, the fact that it's now an Olympic sport is massive for growing the game more globally? Massively, yeah. I think when the Olympics introduced Rugby Sevens into, um, into the games, it's really um, solidified itself as a world game. Like, you look at Rugby 15s and they'd call themselves a, a, a world game, and they are. Rugby is played all across the world. Maybe it would come second to soccer, but I really yeah. do think rugby is probably the second ne next biggest world game. Um, yeah. But I think Rugby 7s has opened that window for the Minnow Nations to also come in and perform. So yeah, you look at the teams like Spain and, and Kenya. Um, Even Germany now as well. Don't they have a good 7 side? Hong Kong yeah. try hard at it. Like, and these teams, they're just going to get better um, with time and with money and with resources going into globalization of the game. These teams yeah. are just going to get better. And if that's a step or a stepping stone for them to then develop into a 15s competitive nation, that's fantastic. And that could definitely happen. But I think with sevens now at an Olympic stage with the Olympic eyes on it, it really just grows the game. And, and it just gives it that, another carrot, you know, that we can all compete for. Like mm. as a kid, when I grew up, I always wanted, I think the earliest memories were the 2000 Olympics in Sydney. And I remember 
I was about three years old. I just was obsessed with it. I was obsessed with the torch. <laughs> and I'd always wanted to go to the Olympics. Um, I, I made my mind up right there and then. And luckily, rugby has opened a doorway which has allowed me to do that. And hopefully, it will allow me to do it again and hopefully do it better. Did you ever think whilst you are in high school that you'd be going to the Olympics as a rugby sevens player? Did that ever cross your mind at all? I think when it was announced um, as an Olympic sport... It was like 2013, wasn't it? Yeah, 2013, maybe a bit earlier. I did. I was like, oh, I reckon reckon I'd be all right as sevens, blah, 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 whatever. And it still wasn't a focus of mine leaving school. I played 15s and... um, and I still have aspirations there and dreams as a kid. Um, but when I had a, a contract offered to me, like after playing some shoot shield yeah. club footy in, in Sydney, um, you know, I was like, wow, this could be a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, let's take it. And, and I did. Well, let's speak a little bit about that because obviously you uh, made the transition quite easily from playing GPS footy to becoming part of the sevens team. Uh, was there any difficulty in that at all, or was it a relatively smooth process to become a Australian sevens player? Oh, was a lot of difficulty. Um, <laughs> you know, I was eight, I was eighteen, I think, when I joined the program, and and you're you're a boy at eighteen, um, yeah. and you and kind of you go into a man's world pretty quickly, and and you got to you either sink or swim. Like when kids go into programs at that age. I feel as if it can almost sometimes be at the detriment of the of the of someone's development, and they can go backwards because they're not ready. So yeah, I knew that going in. Like I was going to be under the palm. I was the youngest by about five or six years. Um, but you know, it's an opportunity. The boys in my hands. So I, I I had to relish under the scrutiny and the, and the pressure, and and I did so. But gosh, there was a lot of it. Um, <laughs> you know, there's an old team blokes like Ed Jenkins. Yeah, another XV boy as well. Yeah, Riverview boy. So I yeah. knew of Ed, um, but I didn't know him as he's pretty old. And he's a lot older than time. But like, yeah, yeah Ed and James Dunnard and uh, Henry Spate was in the program at the moment. Like, pretty accomplished footballers were there. And, yeah, you know, they were tough on me. And that toughness, I guess, did build resilience. And it made me grow as a footballer quickly. And, you know, I'm really grateful for that now. And the fact that you're traveling the world as, as an 18 year old, I'm sure probably was calculated into the process. You know, I mean, you're traveling to what, 15 to 20 different countries every year, experiencing different cultures. I mean, it's really a global sport now, this um, sevens game. Um, Talk to us a little bit about your first season. Obviously it was a very successful jump um, with you winning rookie of the year. Um, What was that? You've spoken a little bit about some of the players you played with. What was that first season like? And was there really, was it more about the goals you'd set for, for yourself? Or did you have a expectation that you were just going to take this on 100%, 100% and see, see where it leads, really? Basically that. It, it was a whirlwind. And I think each month it just, you know, it got faster and faster and faster. And I just, yeah. you know, went along for the ride. And, you know, I... I was in control, out of control. Like, you know, it was just, it all happened really quickly. And, um, you know, I worked hard, but I think maybe I look back on it now, you know, when it came to the big dance in the Olympics, I wasn't ready. Um, And, you know, I always, I have massive um, 
regrets on how I performed at that games. Um, you know, like you can be happy that you've been there, but you know, yeah. I feel like I could, if I was to go back then, go back now. And when I was 19 years old, I would be able to, you know, pull my jets here, pull myself back there and time my run into the back end and a lot better. And, I, but I, you learn that with age and you learn that with making mistakes. So yeah, yeah, the first year was, it was crazy. And, you know, I just did my best keeping up with it all. Um, you know, that, that whirlwind stops and then you've got to then, you know, keep moving forward. And that's what the last three years has been like. Any highlights from that year? I remember you uh, scoring a famous double against New Zealand at the Sydney Sevens. Was that one of the moments you take Indeed. away? Yeah, that final was special. And I think that New Zealand team was stacked with the Ioani brothers, Sonny B. Williams, um, Artie yeah. Surveyor. I don't know. There's, there's heaps of them. Um, I think that weekend was really special. And because it was played in Sydney, the Ignorial were good. Um, the first ever Sydney Sevens. Um, yeah. Played one of mum and dad, you know, so young. That was really special. And that game was great. I think the quarterfinal on the same day earlier against the Poms was probably yeah. a little bit better. It's probably the highlight of my career, I'd say. I think, you know, we're down. Um by five points with about yeah. minutes to go and I came off the bench and I scored in the corner to level up the scores <laughs> and um, then we went into overtime in um, in the quarterfinal and in sevens it's golden points so it's do or die yeah. um, and I was lucky enough to score again in overtime to win the quarterfinal and put us into the semi-final against South Africa and I just remember the crowd after both tries it was electrifying and um that was pretty wild and, you know, a pretty special moment to, to do that, um, playing for my country against such old foes, being the Poms. It's always good when you beat the Poms. It is always good when you beat the Poms. <laughs> um, from a more holistic approach, do you mind giving us a little bit of insight into, obviously, you played 15s, you played both codes of rugby. Um, for the people that don't know a lot about rugby, uh, do you mind giving us a bit of insight into how the games are so different? Because they are two very different games of sport. Yeah, I think especially over the last five years, with the inclusion of the rugby into the Olympics, the games have become so different. Yeah, I think five, ten years ago, sevens would have been viewed as a, a stepping stone into 15s. And it very much still is. Yeah. But... You're now starting to see careers of Dan, the Dan Nordens, um, the Tom Mitchells, uh, the um, the Kakas from New Zealand. Um, you know, who is Jerry Tuai? Um, yeah. Specific sevens players. Who was that um, Fijian guy who played? I always remember every time I went to Hong Kong sevens as a kid, Fiji always won, and they had that the, the centre. Yeah, maybe it was Revy, Yeah. Oh, Clint Sow, Clint Sow. Clint Sow, yeah, he was always an incredible player to watch. And he played sevens his whole career. Yeah, and, and that's becoming more more and more um, common. So basically, 15s, 15 met people on the field, sevens, seven people on the field. Yeah. Um, 15s, 80-minute game, sevens is a seven-minute half, so 14-minute game. does yeah. always seem to go a bit longer, which is never good. <laughs> it's cool. So basically, sevens just... It's a round-robin competition, so there's 20, uh, 16 teams at a weekend, four pools of four. Yeah. You play all your pool games in the on day one, and then judging from results, you go into tiers to compete for the top prize um, being the cup final. And, yeah. you know, these games are so fast-paced. 
You know, it's all about athleticism, rough work, one-on-one skills, one-on-one tackling, high-pressure moments because you're never fit ahead, you're never closed off the game until the whistle is done, you know. Teams yeah. can lose games and win games within seconds. Um, so it is a, a funny feeling. Um, I always get so nervous and so sick running out because I know how hard I'm going to have to work. Like, you work so hard <laughs> that you just put yourself into this hole every single time you walk off, you walk off the field. And I don't know, maybe it's a screw loose to me, but I enjoy that. The pace, the intensity of the games are so different. And, and for a viewer, you're looking at new games every 15 minutes, new teams yeah. rolling out, rolling out. And it's a full day experience. It's almost as if like you've been at a music festival. It just entertains people. <laughs> That's a good way to put it, actually. I've never heard that before. That's pretty good. Um, speaking about the more uh, physical side of the game, obviously it's a, a sport you have to be incredibly fit for uh, because yep. it's, as you said, you know, 100% of the time you're running your uh, full pace for the seven-minute halves. Uh, Jack Dempsey told us a very funny story about he, he actually trialed for sevens um, <laughs> and he gave us a very interesting perspective on, you know, 15s plays, you know, can switch to sevens quite easily, but it's also incredibly difficult uh, mm. because if you're built a certain way to play 15s, especially yeah. speaking as a as a forward, um, it's a lot harder. It's a lot harder to move to sevens. Did you find that at all as you were transitioning to the the game of sevens? Yeah, it takes time. Um, vice versa as well. Like sevens to 15s, it takes time. They're both hard hard jumps to make um, and it can be done, but your, your conditioning is different. Um, the set piece is different. You know, your tactics are different. Like it's silly to think that it would be a smooth transition and you're just going to walk into teams, you know, with, it, with two or three months of training. It, it takes a while and, and you see really good players only start playing well after being in the program for two years. Um, yeah. So they are very different um, and they are much the same at the same time. But, yeah, it is hard to jump ship from ship. Um, it can be done. I know Sebo Sanatla from South Africa does it really well. Um, yeah. Nick Cummins did it for a little bit, didn't he? Didn't he switch to sevens? Who was that? Nick Cummins. Nick Cummins did. Um, yeah. So he, he did sevens, 15s, came back to sevens in Rio and um, yeah. unfortunately didn't quite make the squad. but. He had a few injuries, but you know he found that he found the transition hard as well. But yeah. he's always good to have in your team. He's good for you. <laughs> I can't imagine it as the honey badger. Um, speaking more about the transition, uh, you made the decision to move away from sevens um, in 2018 to have a crack at Super Rugby. What in, what went into that decision, and why did you want to uh, pursue a Super Rugby career? You know, I, I've grown up, I always wanted to play 15s as well. Play for the yep. Wallabies, that's always an ultimate goal of mine. You know, I've got many um, goals that I want to achieve for my rugby career. Um, going to the Olympics is one, hopefully medaling at Olympics is another. <laughs> playing for the Wallabies is one, playing overseas is one. Like, there's a lot to do in a short yep. amount of time. Um, so, no, and I, and I still want to do that. I, I had an opportunity to head down to Melbourne. Um didn't work out as well as I, I'd planned and hoped for. Um, and I made a decision at the time rather than, you know, just holding pads down in Melbourne, which, you know, was my reality at the time, um, to come yeah. back and go to a, a World Cup at Sevens. But I don't regret the switch to 
the, the to Melbourne, it, I learned a lot as a person off field, and I met some great players in the 15s world who taught me a lot. So yeah, you know, I was you know um, I looked up to Dane Hale Petty who taught me all about the backfield, how to kick, what when to kick, when to attack. You know all these 15s yeah. tactics and 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 skills I hadn't developed because I was playing um, playing sevens. So. I'm planning to head back, um, back to the 15s, give it another crack, and hopefully awesome. prove a few doubters, doubters wrong. But <laughs> time will tell. You know, I've got a job to do in sevens at the moment, and I'm very happy with where I am and doing that. And you know, hopefully, if I tick a few um, checklists off, I'll, I'll make jump across somewhere. Was the fact that the was the fact that the Super Rugby environment was changing so much last year? Did that affect you at all with your situation at the Rebels? Yeah, I wouldn't want to make any excuses for myself, but the changing environment for Super Rugby, it's been hard on, on all Super Rugby players. Yeah. Um, you know, squad numbers have have gone up and, and you know, um, players have come back from overseas. Yes and no. Um, you know, it gave me more opportunity to compete with better, better players. Um, yeah. You know, like there's a lot of um, cards and dynamics that go into a team and what the team is selected on, on, the, on the match day. And I didn't quite fit the DNA of the Melbourne Rebels team at that time. And that was the reality of it. Um, it's hard to change that. Um, but like I said, I, I put 100% into, into my time down there. I was never injured. I was always ready to go. And if I got the tap on the shoulder, I just, I, um, I never got it. <laughs> What, what did you, um, you spoke about a, learning a lot from, you know, some, you know, players who've played for the Wallabies, right? These guys are, you know, rock stars. Uh, what, what did you take out of the experience that you think you would do better or use more to your advantage when you uh, go back and have another crack at it? Yeah, good question. I think, I think I learned a lot off, off the field, but firstly, just being resilient, just being able to rock up every day yeah, and contribute and to perform and train the house down, no matter how much you're pissed off, no matter if you're frustrated, you're not getting picked, that you think you're better than someone in the starting spot. You just got to do it. It's part of the grind. It's part of the job. Yeah. Um, you know, you just, you know, I could be digging holes. You know, I was still getting paid to train and play football, and I'm in a very privileged position. So sometimes when I was pissed off and angry, I just had to remind myself. Now you got it pretty good. And or sometimes I was disappointed I wasn't selected or I got overlooked. I had to go, okay, instead of kicking stones, um, what can I do about it? Um, yeah. How can I get better? But I also did learn the, the importance of the relationship you have with the coach of where you're going. So the coach needs to really believe in you and see you fitting in his team. Like mm. the structure of a 15s team or the structure of a sevens team is it's basically up to the, is the head coach and what he wants to look like. So you need to make sure yeah. moving forward that you belong into that DNA and you're going to thrive in that environment. And if you go to a club that it's not quite the fit for you, you know, it's got, it could be quite hard to, to keep your career progression progressing. Fair enough, mate. Well, that was very, very well answered. Um, just the, the final question on that, obviously, with you taking a lot out of the experience and learning a lot about yourself 
uh, not just about, you know, the way you play rugby, but you as a person. Um, do you feel like you developed a lot of mental fortitude and a, maybe a different a different attitude towards the way you trained, the way you played footy, you know, the, the disappointment of not being selected in the team? Um, do you think that's helped you grow, uh, not just as a rugby player, but also as a person? Definitely. I think um, at a very young stage of my career, I'd experienced such a high and then such a low. Yeah. And I was 20, yeah. um, 21, I think. Um, so, I, you know, like I had won this award at the Sevens. I'd been a key member of the Sevens program for two years. And then I'd gone 15s and still a baby, but, you know, it was hard to adjust because I wasn't playing and then, you know, I wasn't getting on. So I, I, I learned what it felt like to be at both ends of the spectrums pretty quickly. And I also learned how quickly your situation can change and yeah. that football is a business and you need to perform to stay picked and to keep that career going. So, yes, I learned how to behave and at both levels of the spectrum to keep a lid on it and then also went to fight to, you know, know your worth, know you're not getting treated well. But I also learned the harsh reality of rugby as well. Like, you ain't good to your contract, you're out of a job. So there's always the need to upskill, to keep getting better, to keep moving forward, never relaxing your laurels and never go, oh, I made the team last year, I made the team this year. It just yeah. doesn't work like that. Um, it is constant work, it's constant discipline, it's constant effort and drive and, you know, 85, not, no, 95% of what I do and I think it's it's for footy, it's, it's to get better and... Yeah. You know, that can be tough. That can be tough on relationships you have outside rugby. That can be tough on your your friends and your lifestyle. And, you know, life's a balance. You've got to balance these things, but you've also got to balance them in a skewed, in a way that's, at this stage of my career, beneficial to the progression of me moving forward. Yeah. That makes sense. No, that definitely makes sense. Um, and Sorry, last question. Um, do your experiences going through this stuff, um, obviously being a staple of the sevens team for quite a while now, are you helping these young guys coming through into the system? Are you helping them learn this sort of stuff as a leader of the team? I'd like to hope so. Otherwise I'm not doing my job well. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think if I was, if a young fellow was to come in and if you get asked, ask them what they think of Henry, I would hopefully, think that, that I'm very honest and wear my heart on my sleeve. And, you know, if they're doing bloody well and killing it at training and performing, well, I'll be the first to tell them and get around them. But then, you know, I also want to help set the standards in the team. Like, you know, I've been there for a while. I know what works and know what doesn't. And um, I'll also be the first one to tell them they're not doing well. Um, yeah. Because that's only going to help them grow. And, you know, I've had to learn to be more selective with my tone and how I deliver that message sometimes. That's yeah. always a work in progress, but you know, you, your team needs to be all on the same page to move forward. And there's a few of us that are kind of at the helm of the ship and that's our job to just steer it the right way. Hopefully the, hopefully the Tokyo. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a really good point because with a young player, you know, he's learning it maybe a different game or, you know, trying to become part of a team if you're not talking to them, if you're not saying anything, they're not really going to learn, 
you know, what's right and what's wrong or if you're doing the right thing. So I think that's a really, really good point. And hopefully you guys do go ahead and go to Tokyo, which would be really exciting for you at, in your yeah. career, but also for the Australian Sevens. I've got a couple of quick fire questions uh, to finish off. Uh, what's, the, what's the best country you've played in so far in your career? As at the stadium or like country? Oh, let's say the, the best country you've travelled to as a seventh player. That's tough. Um, oh, they're all so magnificent in their own <laughs> way. Uh, it's, yeah. it's like trying to pick your favourite sibling. It's just it's impossible <laughs> to do. <laughs> um, look, I Hong Kong is special as as yeah. a city and as as a place to play. It is a whole package. Um, bit cliche to say, but it, it is the mecca of sevens and the whole week. The whole country is just, it's crazy. I don't know, it's got a buzz. Yeah, it's crazy. It's that, that, that weekend, 40,000 people at Hong Kong yeah. Stadium, it's just nuts. It's nuts. And yeah, I um, mean, I, I don't remember much of it, but it's, it's just yeah, I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah. Jealous. I've always wanted to, I will, I will yeah, go. Yeah, well, but one day you'll go back and, and surely, yeah. Get in the South Stand and have a good time. Um, get a costume as well and get all dressed up. Exactly. No, that's a really good thing. Um, besides, like, Hong Kong will definitely be my favourite. I do love London. Um, yeah, family. playing at Twickenham is pretty amazing, right? Yeah, that's the home of rugby. Um, yeah, exactly. So Twickenham's really special. And I think I played England a few times at Twickenham, which has been pretty amazing. And um, What's the crowd uh, like when you're playing England at Twickenham? Is it just a completely different experience? Crazy. Because even in Hong Kong, when the Poms rock up on the field the crowd just goes nuts because there's so many english people (laughs) yeah Um, the pommy supporters and fiji supporters there's fiji supporters in vancouver wow really that's crazy um but yeah hong kong it's a very special special week and a special ground to play at and um you know i could speak for the whole team that they all love it and would uh twickenham be the best stadium you played in or do you have another choice for that uh, yeah, Twickenham is, it's like the Coliseum for rugby, really. Like, it's yeah. huge. It's good. It, like, my first year or two, they'd, they'd cut this crowd sizes down, so it was a bit empty. Yeah. Um, but they built it back up, um, I think, because it just used to be too wild, I think. Um, yeah. Well, they don't uh, have the whole after, stadium, right? Yeah, it used to be full, so 80,000. Oh, now wow. They kind of the, and now they've gone back to the second or third tier, so they get like six fifty-five to 60,000 in. Wow. That's, that's huge. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, pretty cool. Dubai is not bad as well. Dubai? Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, it's, weird. it's a cool little setup. Like the separate kind of scaffolding is a bit different out in the desert. How big is the stadium in Dubai? Uh, I would say maybe 30,000. Because they had the World Cup there. Didn't they have the first Sevens World uh, Cup there? I always won it. Yeah, yeah, which is crazy. Mm. I was going to say, um, I've always been curious about the, the Paris Sevens and how that worked playing out. At, you played the Parc de France team. We do play outside of France. Um, Paris, well, Paris the week's awesome. Like, yeah. you, you go there in summer and it gets dark at like 11.30 at night. Um, <laughs> If you spend the week whizzing around on those lime scooter things. Oh, those um, things are dangerous. <laughs> yeah, doing laps around the Arc de Triomphe as fast as possible and try not getting hit. Probably not the best prep. Um, wouldn't tell my physical <laughs> that. Um, Fair enough. 
But the the stadium, it hasn't really taken off yet, I don't think. Each year we play there, it, it's like 38 degrees, so it's hard. Um, yeah. Well, it's summer in Europe, right? Yeah. Europe's cool. The Europe, London's Paris is a cool place to visit, so it helps. Would it, if you had to do a hierarchy, would it be Hong Kong, London, and then what would your third option be? Hong Kong, London, um, Cape Town. Cape Town. Okay. Yeah, obviously a massive crowd there. Awesome. Camp, um, Camps Bay, you know, that, that, you know, there's some pretty cool places around there. And do you, when you're traveling to these countries, obviously you, you mentioned, you know, getting to whiz around on scooters. Do you actually get a lot of off time to be able to experience these cities? Yes and no. I think the first year when I was on tour, I had to be really careful about that. I wasn't on holiday. We're not on holiday. Um, no, no. You know, we spent a lot of time, obviously training, but we also spent a lot of time downtime, making sure we're not on our feet. And yeah. um, I think every sevens player around the world has made the mistake of being too much of a tourist in a, in a country where they should be <laughs> focusing on work and not performed. Yeah. Um, so it is a very fine balance and a balance that you have to learn the hard way, I believe, because um, you want to see the city and you should see the city. Um, cause you need to be happy going into the weekend, Yeah, but you can't, can't see the city too much. <laughs> <laughs> I think I get what you're getting at. So <laughs> leave it up. Just, we can leave it up discretion for the viewers. Yeah. I'll just keep it there. Um, and then the final game is we spoke a little bit about you playing at the Sydney sevens in that first year, but if you had to pick, uh, let's say top three moments, um, from your career so far, what would, what would be the options? Or if you could just name a couple of things that stand out for you when you look back over the last couple of years? Definitely the Sydney Sevens in 2016. That was pretty special. I was still pretty fresh on the block and, um, you know, my whole family was there. It yeah. was it was really it. And to go to the final, to, we lost the final, um, which was really devastating. Um, no, it, was a, it was a really good New Zealand side. I mean, you did pretty well to even get there. Yeah, it was, yeah, well, yeah. It was tough, but we... It was good. That week was fantastic. I think the latest Vancouver, we had a really good team. We, oh, we lost the final again to New Zealand. Right. <laughs> um, we'll get them. We'll get them when it counts. Um, yeah. Can't but, beat them in sevens or fifteens. Oh, it's a reminder. <laughs> Last Vancouver sevens, really good group, tight group. We really enjoyed it and um, played some really good footy. This is just before COVID here. I'd look back on that yeah. week as, as a highlight. And then maybe a bit of a left of field one, um, but earlier in 2019, so late in 29 November, we had to qualify for the Olympics this year. So we yeah. had to beat Samoa in Oceania, who are a very oh, good wow. team. And the winner of that gets, so Samoa are not going to the Olympics, so they haven't qualified yet. There's only one spot left. Yeah. And the winner of the Samoa and Oceania, Samoa and Australian game went got the boat so we had like a, a three-month pre-season for 14 minutes of footy in wow. Suva, big crowd it was it was so hard and there was so wow. much pressure on us i've never felt more pressure in my life because if we lost the game we weren't yeah. going to go to the or there's a repercharge about six weeks before the olympics where all the teams that hadn't qualified had to play each other and the winner of that would go through Wow, so that's crazy. That's France, that's <laughs> Ireland, that's Samoa, and it could, it could yeah. have been us. Yeah. Um, you don't want to be there. So 
the pressure and um, expectations and the build up, like, you know, we knew that small team inside out. We spent three months studying them, playing just for that one game for that 14 minutes. That's incredible. And we, were, we were down 14 nil at half time. Oh, no. And we won 20 or oh, 19 14. Um, That's crazy. And the relief to, to just let go. Um, and then uh, we didn't know. We thought that the game we won and we thought it was all finished. And then we got the tap on the shoulder from the. Um, the tournament whole, uh, like event managers and whatever, and they're like, well, you've got to actually now play Fiji for the Oceania tournament. Like, we'd beaten oh, Samoa in the semi final, but then we had to play Fiji for Oceania because we always play Oceania every year. Yeah, um, yeah. I forgot about that, and we're like, oh shit, like, we're on such a high. You don't want to play <laughs> Fiji. So we just took the piss out of the warm up, like, we're just mucking around, playing touch, whatever. We ended yeah. up going out and beating Fiji and winning the Oceania tournament, and it was. That's I just crazy. remember it was a pretty special night. It was a big, great celebrations. You know, it was a really big job and a good job well done by the team and the management and the coaches. Um, and to get that done and book the ticket to yeah. Tokyo. To another Olympics, yeah. Really, really special. Well, that's all we have time for uh, today on the podcast. Thank you very much to Henry Hutchinson for being our first guest on the new series. No, thank you very much. I, I've Really enjoyed the chat, um, you know, asked some really good questions and, you know, got myself thinking for a little bit and reminiscing over a, a short career. Hopefully we can keep it going. Well, hopefully it's a very long career, mate. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of the JC Podcast. If this is your first time listening, be sure to head over to either our Facebook page or Instagram account to check out some more exclusive content. We're also expanding to YouTube in the future to make our content more accessible to everyone. So be sure to check that out when that comes out. For now, thank you and catch you next time.